0: you're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Good morning, church family. Sounds like everybody's doing well this morning. Yeah? Awesome. Well, I'm Pastor. Hi, if you don't know who I am, welcome to CCA. We're glad you're here with us. Glad you're joining us this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in an awesome time of worship. Um, So this morning, uh, we're doing something a little bit different. We're continuing our perspective series uh, where we're going through the book of Philippians. Um, And Philippians is all about perspective, all about having not just any perspective, but God's perspective, what it means for us to be children of God in a public world, and um, how we view the world around us. And so we're going to continue with that this morning, but um, it's going to be a little bit different. I am not speaking this morning. This past week, um, Annette and I, we moved into a new house, and so it was crazy. And thank you, everybody, who helped and offered to help. Um, And so I asked somebody else if they would speak this Sunday so I didn't have to have that on my mind while moving. Um, And so I want to invite Miguel Ocampo. Did I say that right? Yeah, Miguel. Let's encourage him. Um, As you can see, Miguel is repping U of A on his shirt. um, Bear Down Arizona. uh, Because Miguel is going to be our um, University of Arizona Chi Alpha Director. He is working on relaunching uh, Chi Alpha on the campus. Um, Johnny, who is not he was supposed to be here, but got some flight scheduling stuff mixed up. But he's also uh, been helping with that. He would have been here. Um, so we miss you, Johnny. Um, but... Uh, Miguel is going to relaunch Kai Alpha. Um, there's some team coming from San Antonio to, to be on staff with him. Um, and what I, I just asked him to come and continue talking about uh, Philippians, but also just to share his heart for uh, maybe even the, the campus a little bit. And I'll let him, I'm sure you'll say a little bit more about who you are. Um, so I'm just going to hand it over to him. But first, uh, let's just pray. Let's just stretch our hands towards him. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill him with the Holy Spirit's words, with the Holy Spirit's um, boldness. God, we thank you for Miguel. We thank you for his servant heart, that his desire is just to serve and love and bless the bride, the body, the church. And I pray that you would fill him, Holy Spirit, right now with your words. I pray that you would um, give him uh, all of the words he needs to speak um, to encourage us, God, to give us the perspective we need right now uh, for such a time as this, and in, in this, this season that we're in as, as people, as a, as a Um, humans uh, all over the world. God, I pray um, that all the words he speaks would go right to the center of our hearts where we need it the most. Um, God, I pray that you would right now begin to break down any barriers that might be building up or are there. I pray that you would soften hearts and open ears and eyes and minds to see as you would have us see, God. So we thank you. We look forward to what you're going to do in this place. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Kai. Man, I am super excited to be with you guys. Just like Pastor Kai said, my name is Miguel, and I'm the new Kai Alpha guy in town. And this right here is my Bible. There are many like it. This one's mine. And uh, we're continuing our series on Philippians 2. And just to tell you a little bit about me, uh, I got right with God in Kai Alpha. I was a freshman at the University of Texas at San Antonio when I heard the gospel preached to me for the first time. I'd never gone to church before in my life. i never opened a Bible before in my life. I had never met another Christian before in my life. I'm from Mexico, born and raised. If I did meet another Christian, they did not tell me about Jesus. But when I was a freshman, I encountered the gospel that was able to save me, and I believed it, and I turned away from my sin, and I put my faith in Jesus, and he saved me. He saved me from drunkenness. Amen, yeah. Jesus saved me from a life of partying and and drug use and disobedience to my parents and dishonoring and gossip. Jesus saved me from fits of anger and rage, and he gave me a new heart and a new mind. And so Pastor Kai has done an amazing job uh, going through the book of Philippians, and I totally... You know, when we're talking, you know, we're talking, we're going through the series about perspective, okay? And I'm going through Philippians 2, but I'm kind of, kind of like switch gears a little bit because I believe the section that we're talking about especially has to deal with obedience. So everything we're gonna talk about has to do with perspective, but even more specifically, has to do with obedience. And so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 18. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me, and the words are going to be on the screen. Beginning at verse 12, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked And perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain yes and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice in service of your faith I am glad And I rejoice with you all for the same reason. You also be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. So I believe there are three things that the spirit of God wants us to understand about obedience that Paul is teaching in this chapter. First, that God wants us to obey him. Second, that God wants our obedience to shine. And third, that God wants us to have joy in our obedience. So let's get started. First, God wants us to obey. Paul begins in this passage by saying, I know that you've always obeyed me, but now that I'm gone, really obey me. Like we're about to see if you really mean what you said in front of me or not. Uh, in verse 12, Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's talking about the fear of God, right? Don't be confused by this passage. It doesn't mean that you have to work your way into salvation, right? He doesn't say work in your salvation through fear and trembling. What he does say is the salvation that you do have that comes by grace, through faith, that salvation works. The salvation that you really have, the grace of God, is teaching you to obey him. Titus chapter 2 says, the grace of God has appeared unto all men, teaching them that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously in this present age. Therefore, this grace of God that saves us, our salvation is this grace of God is teaching us to obey him you know when we think about the bible a lot of people at the university campus you know when i go up there you know i believe i have a controversial belief i believe the bible is inspired by god it is a controversial belief in this day and age paul calls this generation crooked and perverse you know that means we if we're going to be christian we ought to be countercultural. you know And if you don't think that the belief that the Bible is inspired by God is a controversial belief, then I challenge you to stand up on a ledge at the University of Arizona, raise your Bible high in the air, and say, I believe this book is inspired by God. And you're going to find out real quick that's a controversial belief. And so Paul asks us to work out our, our salvation, right? We're not earning our salvation. We're not working it in. But the salvation that you do have, if you do have it, that salvation works out. That salvation does something. That salvation is not meant to leave you as you are. It's meant to do a work in you. Before it can do a work, God can do a work through you. He must do a work in you. A glass can only spill what it contains. We can only give what we have. We can only lead people as far as we ourselves have been. Uh, This is also explained by Paul in the book of Romans in chapter 12. In verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, this is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable worship, that you be holy. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So when you wonder, what is the will of God for my life? Wonder no more. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be blameless. In Philippians chapter 2, that you may become like little children, blameless, pure, and innocent in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. In other worlds, you may be in this world, but do not be of the world. Be different. When God says be holy, he means be set apart for me, be special, be different. God wants us to obey him. And uh, one of my favorite authors is the revivalist Charles Grandison Finney. He was a preacher in the Second Great Awakening uh, in the middle of the 1800s. And everywhere he went, the Spirit of God went with him and revival followed. And Finney says this about holiness. Another reason why we should be holy is that God requires it of us. He has made us in his own image. Like himself in the attributes of intellect, sensibility, and free will. And therefore, for the same reasons that make him require holiness of himself, he must require it of us. He must require it of us because it is his duty to do so. He requires us to be holy because he cannot make us happy unless he makes us holy. Our nature being what it is, it is forever impossible that we should be happy without being holy. God is happy because God is holy. He knows that we exist under the same law of nature and necessity. Hence, his benevolence prompts us, nay, compels him to use this necessary means of securing our happiness by making us holy. God wants you to be happy. And he knows that he is the best qualified to rule your life. It's not egocentric or prideful at all for God to go worship me. It's actually a sober sense of reality. It's actually humility because he knows he is the best qualified person to rule your life. And for you to have peace and happiness, you must be holy, which just means living up to what you know about God. That's all that that means. When I was a freshman at UTSA, my life was plagued with all kinds of things. But I got sent a messenger into my life. It was a tall, ginger Brazilian named Fabio. Least looking Brazilian anyone has ever met. <laughs> this guy told me about Jesus. He handed me my very first Bible. It was a paperback New King James Bible. And he said, this is the word of God. And he challenged me to read it. I was that, you know, on that kind of like early teenage kind of atheist phase. And, and, I, you know, I kind of went back and forth with him about, you know, the validity of the scriptures. But he challenged me to read the Bible. And I went home and I said, you know what? I'm going to read it and I'm going to prove you that you're wrong. And I began to read the Gospel of Matthew. You know, if you make a challenge to God, he'll meet you there. And I began to read the words of Jesus and God convicted me. I had no idea that God, Jesus said, you must not look at woman with lust in your heart. Jesus said that if you even, if you even hate your brother, you've already murdered him with him in your heart, right? I knew that God said, don't commit adultery, but Jesus said, don't even think about it. I was like, that's hard. God convicted me. You see, we think of this book as a rule of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's much more than that. It's actually a book of do's. There are more do's than don'ts in the Bible. And Paul gives us one here. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Do, do pray without ceasing. Do worship me. The do's are far more important than the don'ts. If you get the do's, the don'ts will follow. And Fabio wrestled with me. He fought for me. He laid down his life for me. Fabio bought me more McDonald's than anyone in the world. I mean, this guy might have spent a1,000 dollars. You know, in the course of one year, just having one-on-ones with him, trying to talk to me about God. And Jesus got got a hold of, of my heart. It was through him that I lose sight of Fabio, and then I saw Jesus instead. And I turned away from my sin, and I dedicated my life to the Lord. I threw my pot down the toilet, and that was it. I was in love with God, you know? Here's the application. Live up to what you know. Obey God. If Pastor Kai, you know, you know this image might not make sense because we're in Arizona, but just follow with me, okay? If, Fabio, if uh, Pastor Kai had a lawn on his house, okay? And, and he was like, he, what, what is that? What is that? Uh, I'm from Texas, so. Uh, and Pastor Kai was like, would you mind mowing the lawn? And I said, yeah, for sure. And I went in and I picked one blade of grass, and I went back into Pastor Kai's new house and he was like, there, done. He'd be like, no, you didn't. That's not what mowing the lawn means. <laughs> in Arizona, maybe, you might get one blade of grass in Arizona. When God says, do what I say, he does not mean Pick one blade of grass. He means do all that I say, right? Do everything that I say, you know? And so the application is we must, we must be holy. God wants us to be holy. God wants us to obey him. But he's given us the word of God. He's given us this amazing, wonderful church and the great preaching of Pastor Kai. He's given us fellowship. He's given us the spirit of God that lives inside of us. He's given us the prayers and intercessions of one another so that we can have victory over this life. He himself intercedes for us day and night. So when God says, do what I say, he means to do all that I say. But he's also made every provision for you to do so, for you to live in victory. I do not find it hard to believe that someone who doesn't read the Bible, they don't go to church, they don't pray. They don't have a relationship with God. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. They're not submitted to one another. I don't find it hard to believe that that person would quickly rebel against God. But I do find it very hard to believe that the person who listens to the spirit that lives inside of them has been saved by the grace of God, has a living relationship with God in prayer and with one another, that bear each other's burdens, who confesses continually. I do find it hard to believe that that person would quickly turn away from their faith. God has made the provisions for us to have victory. And your knowledge and your understanding of God is proportional to your obedience. You see? God will show you A, and then he'll show you B. And then you'll start thinking about C, but if you haven't done B, you're not going to get C, and you're definitely not going to get D. So if you ever feel like, man, I'm in a season where... I just don't feel like I'm hearing from God like I used to. Ask yourself, what is the last thing that God told me to do? I Have I done it? Then go and do it. You can gain more knowledge outside of that, but it will not be revelation. It will not be revelation and relationship with God. Next point. God wants us to obey but he wants our obedience to shine. In other words, God doesn't just want to do a work in us. He wants to do a work through us. And when I was in Chi Alpha, my leaders hammered to me over and over and over again. If you ever meet a Chi Alpha student, they'll know that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. That's the normal procession of salvation. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. In verse 15 of Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, By doing all things without complaining, we may become blameless or heartless, so that we may shine our lights in the middle of this perverse and crooked generation. You see? It's almost like there's this order of events. God does a work in you, then he does a work through you. 1 Peter 2 9 says, For you are a royal generation. For, for you are a royal priesthood. You know, a, a chosen generation. His own special people so that you may proclaim the praises of him who took you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is who you are, so that you may proclaim. Proclaiming doesn't make you be a Christian, but you are a Christian so that you may. Proclaim. So there I was. New believer. Walking into the UTSA. Crying at the leaves of the trees. Because God had made them. And I was in fellowship. And I was growing and learning in God. Submitted to my brothers and sisters. But when you're in Chi Alpha. You're submitted to the academic year. So the time came for me to go back home, kind of leave my kind family, go back to the world. I'm the only Christian that I know in my hometown. So there I went, you know, with a plan, devotional plan, got my little Devo book and my little Bible, read Matthew and Mark, you know, been a Christian for two months. When all my friends, they were, you know, from high school, they were, like, all getting together and they came up with, you know, we should just have a party and celebrate that everyone's back in town for the winter break. And I said, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go to this party and I'm not going to drink. Mistake. Don't do that. If Jesus has saved you from the fire, don't go rushing him back to the burning building. Stay out of it. But I was young and I was dumb. So I went back into the building, and I sat there, and now it's like 2 in the morning, and I'm just, I'm miserable. Like, I know. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm not supposed to be here. You know. So, and sure enough, people around me notice there's something different about Miguel, right? That's what happens, too. When you get around with Gap, people notice. Your neighbors know it. Your friends know it. Your family knows it. And so, and so they asked me, it's like, Miguel, you're, you're not your usual self, you know, the usual kind of party, crazy Mexican animal, you know, that you were. What, what happened? You know? And it was the winter break, so I, I made just some dumb excuse. I said, well, you know, I'm just trying a New Year's resolution. <laughs> Complete lie. That's not why I'm doing it. And I was so convicted, I got up. And I went to walk through the door. I said, you know what? As a matter of fact, I I should head home. And as I approached the door, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. If you deny me before men, I am going to deny you. I've been a Christian for two months. And so I turned around and I went, everything that I just told you was a lie. And it was just a small group at the edge of a party. It was one of those, like, turntable moments when the, you know, the DJs, you know? (laughs) And everyone's just staring at me, this group of potheads and drunkards. Little did I know would symbolize my ministry for the rest of my life. And I just told them about Jesus. It was by far the worst explanation of the gospel that anyone has ever heard Ever. Even worse than the one I'm giving to you right now, if you could believe it. And I finished my first sermon by crying in front of everyone and running home. (laughs) And so I'm just running home, tears on my face. I can't even see where I'm going Running in the streets of Mexico, it's 3 in the morning, and somehow I knew God was smiling at me. At first I thought he was laughing at me. I was like, you laughing at me? You're laughing with me? I'm not laughing, so. But God, God was happy with me. I purposed, I always wanted to know that. I always want to know, God. You are pleased with me. It wasn't the excellence of my preaching. It was the try. If I've learned anything about obeying God, is that God honors the try. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. God wants us to shine our light in the midst of this perverse and crooked generation. But first, God must do a work in you. And then that same work, he wants to do through you in the lives of those around you. It was never just about you. If all God was concerned was about saving you, then he might as well just rapture you the moment you believe but God has kept you on this earth to be his ambassador so that you may shine your light to others. Lastly, God wants us to have joy in our obedience. He wants us to obey him and he wants our obedience to shine and he wants us to have joy in obeying him. The psalmist in 119 says, I delight in the law of God. His law, I meditate on it day and night. I long to keep his commandments. I love to obey him. In the last portion of this passage, Paul explains the joy that he has in laying down his life. Someone did it for me. Someone laid their life for me. And if you're honest with yourself, you're only here because someone laid down their life for you. God has determined, God has decreed in his great wisdom that he who is a Christian has met another Christian. Grateful for the exceptions, but for the most part, God has decreed that he who is a Christian has met another Christian. And so you're here because someone laid down their life for you. Could have been a parent, could have been a teacher, could have been a friend. But someone laid down their own rights for you. And Paul has this great joy in laying down his life. It's not burdensome at all. It wasn't hard for Fabio to lay down his life. He was too ecstatic and too excited being saved himself to think about the cost that, of laying his life down for me. The general of the Salvation Army, William Booth, shares this story. He talks about a pirate going out to sea for months on end, just hoarding all kinds of treasure and all kinds of gold and precious things and stealing and pillaging and robbing. And finally, you know. Uh, once his travels have come to an end and, and, and he needs to come back to, back to shore, uh, they're, they're, the whole ship and all the mates and all the, and all the sailors and all the pirates are, are getting back to shore, back in England, when all of a sudden the ship begins to sink. And so every pirate and every sailor is putting gold On their pockets and in their body and around their neck, and they're wearing funny hats and and, you know, putting on jewelry in their face, and they're trying to see how much gold they can carry and still make it to shore. When all of a sudden, behind one of the pirates comes one of the servant boys, pulls the pirate's robe and says, Sir, I do not know how to swim. And now the pirate needs to make a decision. He looks at the gold. He looks at the boy. He looks back at the gold. The water's up to his ankles. And he grabs the gold, throws it overboard, grabs the boy over his shoulder, and jumps in the water. And he swims and he swims and he swims till he can't swim no more and he passes out. He wakes up in the shores of England, disoriented, thirsty, tired. But he looks around and he sees the boy at a distance with help. And he hears him say, look, look, this is the man that saved my life. William Booth says, the greatest joy I could ever experience would to wake up in the shores of heaven and to see at least one soul pulling Jesus by the robe as they come towards me and say look look master this is the man that saved my life the pirate exchanged his treasure we sang a beautiful song about Jesus sitting in the throne of our hearts. What is your treasure? What is your passion? What is your calm mind default to, to? What's that last thought before you go to sleep? What's what's your mind default to? Fall to? What's the first thought when you wake up? What is your passion? Paul's passion was soul's. And to that end, he says, I lay down my life with joy like a drink offering before God. It's not hard for me to do so. This is my joy. It's my passion. The pirate exchanged his treasure. In a moment... He valued the life of someone else more than his own and more than all the gold in the world. Jesus tells a parable about a man that sold everything that he had to buy this treasure in a field. And many would tell you that it's about God selling everything that he has to come and find man. But I actually think it's about man selling everything that he has to find God. What is your treasure? We've been talking about obedience. We've been talking about perspective. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us things that we ought to do. Do obey. Do work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do all things without complaining. Do become blameless. Do hold fast the word of life. Do rejoice. God wants you to have joy in obedience. That's where peace and happiness is, in the center of the will of God. I want to challenge you to think about what is really sitting. In the center of the throne of your heart. The guy that discipled me used to tell me all the time Jesus loves pizza. He doesn't want one slice, he wants the whole pie. And Jesus loves pizza. He doesn't just want your mornings or your, you know, Sunday mornings or your Wednesday nights. You know, your Chi Alpha Tuesday nights Bible study or your Friday afternoon small groups. He wants everything. He wants every single part of your life. That's where real purpose and happiness is. And if you think that there is someone more qualified to rule every aspect of your life, then I challenge you to give it a go. But I have found that the most and best and most sincere and most honest who will never steer you wrong person to qualify every relationship that you have and every dollar that you make is Jesus. Yeah. Pastor Kai has challenged me personally greatly in his sermons and he's, he's, he's pushed these questions up challenging us to think intentionally and introspectively about the word of God. And I hope that you are taking these seriously. Basically, when you, all that Jesus is trying to do is to get you to pay enough attention to him for him to actually do a work in your heart. He doesn't, if your attention in Jesus goes just an hour on a Sunday, it won't happen. But if you think about these things, The questions, and you actually think introspectively about your own life and your challenge. When you love God and you love to obey, you love correction. You seek correction. So I'm going to ask you these five questions. And I ask you to please think about them introspectively and sincerely as I think about them myself. Number one, what is the real treasure of your heart? What is really, if you're sincere and honest, what steers your decision making? What are you, are you more likely to change towns because of what God says or because of what someone else says? What is the real treasure of your heart? Number two, Do you long for correction from God, from others? Are you placing yourself in a position of submission and discipleship? Are you a learnable person, a teachable person who seeks correction, seeks to always be closer to the Lord? Is there anything that you see in my life that I could be doing better? When I finish with the sermon, the first thing I'm doing is I'm going to be, a, Johnny, would you listen to the sermon? Is there anything that I could be doing better? Pastor Kai, what, how could I be better? You long for correction. Number three, are you irritated when other people tell you what to do? If something stirs in your heart when someone doesn't respond with like, please and thank you and just go, you know what, take out the trash. If that stirs an irritation in your heart, an anger or a frustration, like someone doesn't have the right to tell you what to do, that's the opposite of the way that Jesus lived his life. The very, he helped everyone that came to him. Most people did not say, please or thank you. Number four, is there someone that you can say, You laid down your life for. Is there someone that you can really say. I have laid down everything that I have for this person. And number five. It's a question for God. That you would ask God to show you. Areas of disobedience. And that you would follow through. And that you would confess to someone. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's just and good to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible also says, confess your sins to one another, for the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. You bring it to light, you speak it out, and you ask someone for help. Ask God to show you areas of disobedience and confess them. Before you take action, it's just regret. Let's just have a minute of just praying and and introspection, and I'm going to close us out in prayer. And and then Pastor Kai will come up and, and dismiss us.
0: Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God and the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support and we pray many blessings over you. you.